0: Good morning, I'm Brian, as Sean said, Pastor Sean said. Um, to begin, I want to say to all the jarheads, all the swabbies, the coasties, the zoomies, the grunts and pogues, happy Veterans Day. If you don't know what those are, you're not in the club. So um, go out and enjoy your food. Um, I know Sheets gives away a free sub today. I plan on visiting several Sheetses. Um Chili's has free dinner. Applebee's has free dinner, free car wash also at Sheets, free haircut, you know, it's all there. So um, go out and enjoy it. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to worship with your people. Thank you for the opportunity to enjoy a little rest this morning, to be able to focus our hearts on you, to be able to focus our thoughts upon you. And I pray as we do that in this time now that you would fill our lives with hope. Lord, we need hope. Fill our lives with joy because we need joy, everlasting joy. Fill us with peace, the peace that passes all understanding. Thank you for loving us and giving us those gifts. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So over the last several weeks, um, hopefully you've all engaged in the Sacred Search series because we all know that deep within the heart of every person is a desire, a deep desire to live a full life to have a full and meaningful life. How many of you want that? We all want that. Everyone wants that. Everyone's searching for it. We all long for something more. Have you ever thought about that thought? There's got to be something more. There is. But we all long for it. And the incredible truth of Scripture is that is exactly what Jesus offers us, full and abundant life, a joy-filled life, a life of hope. I love the passage of scripture that says that, that hope never disappoints us, because God has poured out His love for us in our hearts. That's what John ten ten speaks about. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, Jesus's purpose, is to give them a rich, is to give you a rich and satisfying life, to give you an abundant life. Now, Satan wants to take all those things from us. Jesus wants to fill us up and give us this over the top, filled with meaning, significance, joy, love, peace, all those things, healing, belonging and acceptance. But the problem is everything Jesus wants us to have, Satan wants to take. He wants to He's the thief and he's the master of three things: stealing, killing and destroying. That's what he's the master of. And those are really the only tools in his toolbox, by the way. Just want to let you know. Um, Satan's not that creative. He's got the same three tools, stealing, killing, and destroying, Um, but he doesn't really need anything else because those are still effective. When I was a youth pastor, I used to play Madden football with our kids, and I had two plays in my toolbox, and no one ever beat me. No one. They could never beat me, and they used to complain, Pastor Brian, you're so weak. Boy, they had no idea what irony meant right there, so (laughs) I would tell them, look, you learn how to stop these two plays. I'll learn something new. But until then, this is all I'm going to do. So, But that's, that's kind of where Satan is. He's, I guess I'm kind of like Satan in that illustration. Um, <laughs> because he has those three plays in his playbook, steal, kill, and destroy. But he uses them very effectively. His one goal, his ultimate purpose, to destroy the life that Jesus wants us to have, and he does it very well at times. He uses all sorts of things to do that, though, within those three categories. He uses anger and addiction and hatred and immorality, and those, all, those things still work as well. But he also uses things that are much more subtle. He uses things that aren't necessarily sinful or bad, things that are good, but we fill our lives up with them, and they clog, out, they clog up the pipes, and they keep Jesus out. Because we're so busy with good things that aren't bad that Jesus has no room. And we think we're okay because the things we're doing aren't bad. We're not, you know, lying or cheating. We're not being unfaithful to our spouses or hurting anyone. So we're good, right? But our lives are so busy. Or they're so busy with things that, again, that while they're not necessarily bad, they leave little room for anything else. We fill our lives so full with things that, that, that leave no margin. For us to experience what Jesus wants us to experience, it's just that rich and satisfying life, he, that, the rest that Jesus promises us. And that's exactly what he promises us. The rest is exactly what God wants to give us. He said, Jesus said, come, one of my favorite passages of scripture, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. Who wants rest right now? Anyone? I could use a little. Anyone burdened right now? Anyone weary and heavy, heavy laden right now, the Bible says? Jesus wants to take that and give you rest. And the Bible uses the word Sabbath to describe that. You may have heard that word. Anybody heard the word Sabbath before? Okay. Sabbath is, uh, it, I'm sure it brings different ideas and different connotations and different minds in your mind. For some, it might mean a lazy day, you know, watching football and eating a pot roast. That's your idea of Sabbath. For others, it may, maybe you were raised in a more rule-oriented, legalistic house. It meant you weren't allowed to do anything. I remember sitting at my aunt and uncle's house. It was, I was 10, it was August. They had no air conditioning, but they did have a pool. A beautiful, sparkling, cool, refreshing pool that we were not allowed to use. We sat on the porch and sweat. And I was 10. Imagine that for a moment. And some of you are thinking, that's weird. I thought the same thing. I could not figure out for the life of me why, I, why that was considered work, getting in the pool. But it was. When I was in Bible college, we weren't allowed to play sports. We weren't allowed to play soccer or baseball or football. We had to just rest. I, I couldn't figure that one out either. But for others, you know, Sabbath meant you went to church all day long, right? The doors were open. You were there because that's what it means. So what is Sabbath? Let me give you a working definition of that. Sabbath is a practice or discipline or rhythm where we set apart time to center our lives on the one thing, the one thing that can bring us what we really truly need. We me say that again. Sabbath is a practice or a discipline or rhythm where we set apart time to center our lives on the one thing that can bring us what we truly need, God. That's what we need. Strip away everything else in the world. That's what we need. We need him. We spend our lives chasing things that we think we need, right? Sabbath is about refocusing our hearts on the only thing that can meet that need, our deepest, most profound needs. So for one day a week, God is the center, not on the sidelines it breaks us out of a normal routine, that run hard, work hard, you know, play hard routine, that rhythm, and allows us to focus on God. That's what Sabbath was intended to do. And that's why, you know, as a pastor, I loved, and even as a non-pastor, I loved missions trips. Anyone have been on a missions trip before? They're, they're tiring and they're hard, but you know what they do? They take us out of our more normal routine, right? And they get us focused on Jesus, on what Jesus is doing in other parts of the world or the country. That's why I like reti- retreats as a youth pastor. After, you, after I punked everybody with my best prank pranks, it allows us to focus on Jesus and to spend time with him and really focus. And I know our teens are on a retreat right now. That's what's happening to them. They're getting a chance to refocus and center their lives on Christ. And that's, that's what Sabbath does for us, allows us to focus on him. The spiritual practice of Sabbath has its roots in creation. God rested after six days of creation. Did he rest because he was tired? No, God doesn't get tired. He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't sleep or slumber. He wasn't tired. He rested so he could take joy in what he created, what he made. On the last, Every day God said he looked and he saw that it was good, but on the last day he looked and he saw that it was what? Very good. He, he contemplated. He thought about it. Look what I did. It's kind of like, you know, after a day of weeding and spreading mulch, you know, and eating gnats and um, mowing your lawn and raking leaves, you do what? You sit on the patio with a cold glass of tea and, <laughs> and you enjoy what you did, right? right? You enjoy it. You look at your yard and you say, this is awesome, knowing that next week you're going to do it all again. But still, for that moment, that's what, that's what Sabbath is. It's a gift. It's meant to free us from our hurried and distracted life to allow us to return to God's loving presence. Because so many times, so many times, we're outside of that. We're running. We're going to basketball practice and and work and meetings and this, that, this and that. And we're all over the place. And we 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 have little time to sit and contemplate who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Let's see how the prophet Isaiah describes the practice of Sabbath. In Isaiah chapter 58, verse 13 and 14, it says, Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath. And speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. Isn't that sound? like something rich and satisfying, enjoy, he says. Honor, delight, satisfy. That's what God is promising when we practice Sabbath. Resting in him restores our relationship. Our relationship with God is similar to our relationship with others. When we neglect those relationships, they fall apart at times. They struggle at times. I remember my daughter. My daughter loves her mother. When she was little, mom was it. Mom was the one who read stories to her. Mom was the one who cuddled with her at night. Dad, you're nothing. Get away. Don't want you to be around. One day was our first daddy-daughter date night. We decided we're going to go on a date because I want to build a relationship with her. We went to Bass Pro Shop. She was three years old. And we looked around, and she loved to hang out. And I think when they still had the, the golf, we were putting and doing all. When I got home, you know what she said? Daddy, I want you to put me to bed tonight. And I'll never forget. I still remind her of that. She's 11. So, but because I, I just love that. It was, I, I spent time with her. She enjoyed my presence and I enjoyed hers. That's what Sabbath does. It allows us to enjoy each other's presence. That's the it, prioritizing, prioritizing the relationship. And it's the invitation God gives us over and over in Scripture come to me, seek me, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Jesus said, I'm at the door knocking. Let me in and we'll eat together nothing more special than eating together. Think about it. If prioritizing a relationship with your spouse or a friend builds that relationship, what more could it do with your relationship with God? Who's always there and always present and always waiting. And how many of you know that Sabbath is part of the Ten Commandments? It's one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it what? Holy. What does holy mean? It means set apart. It means different. It's like that special set of dishes your grandma had that she never got out when you were there because it wasn't special enough, I guess. It was only for the special people who came. And apparently you weren't that special. Now, I know I wasn't. But, you know, that's what holy meant. It's set apart. But what what do we we tend to do with things in the Bible that don't seem relevant to us, though, right? We, We seem to kind of, we set them aside or... It seems impossible or something we can't really do. So we, we focus on things we can do, like the other nine commandments. God must have put that Sabbath thing in there for the Old Testament people. It's not for us, right? It, we, so we ignore it. And we often feel there is too much to do that we can't rest. We can't slow down. We feel the pressure to say yes to everything and anything. We say yes to constant activities in our kids' lives. Why? Because we want that rich and satisfying life. We want our kids to have that. But what What if all that activity, all that entertainment, all those sporting events, what if they don't actually lead to life Jesus promised? What if they're just counterfeits? And that's what they are. They are. They're good things, but they lead to something not what Jesus intended. Pete it uh, has a his statement, he says, I'm convinced that nothing less than an understanding of Sabbath as a command from God, as well as an incredible invitation, will enable us to grab hold of the rope that God offers us. This is God's heart. He's not telling us what to do because he doesn't want us to do other things. He's telling us what to do, inviting us into life and hope and joy and abundance, not through activity, but through rest. And only when we see Sabbath as an invitation from God to stop our hurried lives, reject our addiction to distraction, only when we do become aware of what God is doing are we going to see that abundance of what he's doing. That's God's invitation to us. James says every good and perfect gift comes from above. Sabbath is one of those good and perfect gifts. It's, Sabbath is about stopping and resting but it is also about learning to delight in God and contemplate his work for us. And so I'm going to give you four principles quickly, and then we're going to get to our live insight. But the four principles are this. The first is stop. The Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. Psalm 46.10. Sabbath is first about stopping. To stop is built in the literal meaning of the word Sabbath. Yet most of us can't stop until we finish whatever it is. We need to finish our projects, our term papers, our phone messages. We need to answer our emails or finish our Fortnite game or whatever. There's always one more thing to do, one more goal to reach. On Sabbath, we, we embrace our limits. God is God. I'm not. And I need him. So ask yourself this. What things might we need to stop or pause? Put the brakes on temporarily or permanently to enjoy God's presence. That's the first thing. Second, the second principle of Sabbath is rest. Jesus said again, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. I will give you rest. When we stop and rest, we respect the fact that we're human beings. We're human beings. Our bodies, the Bible calls them, are shells. They're jars of clay. They're fragile. They need rest. But it also respects that image of God within us. We're not nonstop human beings. Sadly, it often takes an illness to get us to stop. The flu or something worse. Or depression or something. We don't serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath serves us. Sometimes our bodies and our minds are crying out for rest, and Jesus invites us to come to him. Come to him and rest. So that's the next question. Ask yourself, how could rest help me to encounter God? How could it help me to physically encounter God. How many of you ever sat down to do your devotions, but you were too tired because you didn't rest? You sat down to pray, but you fell asleep five seconds after you started because now there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus, God's a good father, man. He loves when his children fall asleep in his lap, but I'd like to talk to him a little bit longer than five seconds. Sometimes I'm too tired. That's the second principle. The third principle is delight Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you what? The desires of your heart, right? Psalm 37, 4, the Hebrew phrase communicates a sense of joy, completion, and wonder. On Sabbath, we're called to enjoy and delight in God and his creation. So we need to ask ourselves, how can I delight in the Lord as part of Sabbath? You know, you can experience delight on Sabbath in a lot of different ways. You can enjoy it by spending time with people who are created in his image. Because a lot of times we're so busy, not only do we neglect God, we neglect people created in his image around us. So we spend time with people. We spend time with people he loves. Often we find delight in Sabbath through play or recreation. Sometimes we find it through being in church with God's people. That's a big part of Sabbath. Is spending time with the Lord's people, whether it's in a worship service or in a small group, being part of that, that community of faith where you all focus collectively on God. And that's the, in the last principle of Sabbath is to contemplate. When God looked around, he saw everything that he had made and he said it was very good, Genesis 1. That's the final quality of a biblical Sabbath. It's the contemplation that everything around us is good, that God created it. We look around, we take stock of the blessings God has given us. We take stock of the love that he's poured upon us through Christ. Every Sabbath, every Sabbath is a reminder of God's goodness. That rest is a reminder of his goodness. It's a, and, but it's also a foretaste of what is to come because you know what's going to happen in heaven? You're going to rest. And you're going to contemplate and enjoy God forever. A meaningful Sabbath requires preparation. What will it mean to prepare yourself for worship to receive the word of God? What time do you need to go to bed the night tonight before you can have a good Sabbath, a meaningful Sabbath? So ask yourself this, how can I contemplate and be aware of the work God is doing in my life and around me, so I don't miss it. So each week in this series, we've had the privilege of hearing from a member of our church family, and we're going to have a group of folks come up now, and we're going to hear about that. This week, we're going to um, take a little extra time to hear from them how they're practicing Sabbath, how they're trying to put these principles in play. So I'm going to turn it over to them for a bit.
1: I, I tried to ask them if we could do the whole prices is right, come on down thing before we called us up, but apparently apparently I got overruled. I'm going to pull up my notes here, because I really appreciate you being here and sharing some of your insights about Sabbath with our church family. All right, so in no particular order, and feel free to answer as you would like. Um, actually, you know what? I will introduce us before we go. My name is Dan Matarisi. I also just ran back from the green room when I heard that we were about to start this. So just give me a moment. <laughs> I'm Dan Matarisi, uh on staff here at Daybreak, uh, head up our Celebrate ministries, which is an awesome privilege. Um, I think you know this guy, uh, Pastor Sean Pastor Andrews. Yep. I also feel like I'm knocking over some stuff here. And here we have Deb Williams, who's also on staff and works on spiritual formation, and her husband, John Williams. Um, also, um, I think these are people that I get to spend a lot of time with, um, and have been able to talk about a lot of things like Sabbath rest, so I'm confident you guys are going to have some cool nuggets of wisdom and experience to grab from today. So, uh, did I set the bar too high? High expectations? High expectations. Sorry, guys. All right. So if you would, can you provide a brief summary of your journey in practicing Sabbath? Uh,
2: well, so for me, my I mean, I grew up in this house where we weren't overly churched, and so Sabbath was really more like Hey, uh, don't bother us. We're going to sleep Sunday afternoon. So we're tired. Uh, I remember this, my parents used to actually tell stories of me whispering to them because I wanted to go do something. I needed permission. They're like, not helpful. You're still waking me up. And so um, that was kind of Sabbath originally. And then um, when Susie and I got to our 20s and had kids and we were doing a lot of ministry, Sabbath was really about ministry and a little bit of rest by watching some football together um, because we can't miss our Steelers games. Um, and uh, then I think as I became a pastor, it changed a little bit for me because uh, I went from having two days off on the weekend to having one day a week off, really, and the emotional drain was so much greater that I just recognized this deeper need for me to have, like, be rejuvenated for something. So that's kind of where my journey's been. Thank you, Sean.
3: I think um, growing up in a home where we honored the Sabbath, and it was very restrictive. I remember sitting out on the porch as a little kid and the neighbor kids coming along and saying, Hey, can you come play hide and seek? And I'd be like, No, it's Sunday. I have to sit here. I can't do anything loud. You couldn't play cards, you couldn't do anything. And you could nap, but who wants to nap when you're that age? You know, you don't realize till later now I love a Sunday nap. So but um, you know, as we got into ministry, Sabbath was a part, it was always a low-key day, it was very filled with ministry. And then about ten years ago. I just, through spending some time in scripture, and through some things that were going on in our lives, we just began to sense God saying, hey, I have this offering for you. Would you like to take more? And I began to walk into what I felt like was a fuller understanding of what God had designed for us in this day. And it was just a huge opening for me of realizing this is a gift this is a gift for me, this is a gift for John, this is a gift for our family, and how we could take some steps into walking into what that meant. And that began to unfold over probably like the last eight years where we've really just been much more intentional and much more focused in taking time on, on Sunday as our Sabbath.
1: I've heard Deb talk about Sabbath uh, you know, a few times, and the word gift is always always mentioned in it and I love it because it it probably flipped the script for me and how I thought about it so thank you
4: I think um the the home I was raised in Christian fairly strict and and um Sundays were about duty and obligation probably more than any kind of delight Uh, I think too um along with that duty obligation there's just this sense that um It shifted for me in my journey more to invitation. Um, I think invitation carries for me with it this idea that uh, I can say no to it, and it's not going to be held against me. That
1: was beautiful. So kind of flipping script from from your journey and and, um, some of the stuff that uh, maybe was part of you accepting the Sabbaths being different— What about the things you actually do now? What about the practice of Sabbath now? What does it involve? What does it include for you guys in the season of life that you're in?
4: Um, We decided um, probably four or five years ago that we were going to do 24 hours, start at six on Saturdays and go to six on Sundays. Allow us a little time still to get ready for the week. But um, and and again, this is this is like a gradual thing. Um, We don't we don't do this every week. We're still managing that balance of it being an invitation that we can say no to. Uh, but but preparing for it, looking forward to it, so we, we pull out a candle. We've had different candles. But anyway, we'd light that, just the two of us, and read some kind of Little devotional. Sometimes we do like books, like a chapter each week, that kind of thing. But start then just to kind of signal the beginning of it, and then and then focus on anything that was. Oh, I gotta get this done. Well, that was out. Uh, um, sometimes, of course, you don't do that because you have to get this thing done. So, uh, the journey has been. Um, I guess, uh, practices that feel like um, freedom, we gravitate towards. That's beautiful.
3: Yeah, I think a couple other elements to it is the definite stopping on Saturday evening has been key. And, of course, there's been much ebb and flow over the the journey here, I just want you to know. Um, we've had books where we've been like, oh, this isn't working at all, so we we'll that book. So we go for another book. Um, the evening and the next day for us has been about moving slowly through the day to savor it. So I really try, I, I do everything quick. That's a word in our family that's quick. And so I try to do things much more slowly and savor. And some days that's good, and some days that, that's not um but that really helps us as we go through the rest of our day.
2: Well, I, I'm not a I mean, those of you know me, I'm not a really good rules person. Um if you give me a rule, I probably won't follow it, right? Unless I made the rule and then everyone should follow it. Some of you wow. some of you right, you relate to me in that. So um so when I think about Sabbath, I mean I just because I've watched what Jesus did, I mean Jesus got condemned for it a lot, so I'm just like, okay, what what's this invitation look like? i I think for me, a couple of the things that have been important. One is like the stopping idea. I, don't, I haven't pulled off 24 hours of Sabbath um, in my life. And so um, I've just determined like this is a gift. And so I'm not going to try to do the rule. I'm going to try to do what's a gift and can help me and rejuvenate me. So, um, so right now it looks kind of like 9 a.m. to 12 noon the next day, which for me is my weekend is Sunday night to Monday. Um, and so I, I, I get one day a week to work on the house. So you can imagine like, oh man, I should do all this work. But I just really try to resist that. I, I stay off my phone as much as possible, like no emails, no making phone calls. Um, I mean, if someone's, someone's calling me about work, they better be on fire. Um, so um yeah I just I re- because honestly like I just I need that rejuvenation and you know my my kids are still at home and so um it's not just that's part of the also the reason that it's just like it's not a reality to do like this 24 hour period they don't they don't grasp me there and they need me and so um I mean they're 19 you'd think they need me less but they, they anyway that's a whole other subject that's uh, a different um, sermon Sean Yeah stick the Sabbath um fun like we were try to do some fun things Susie and I both were like really try to work on like some things we enjoy doing together if it's warm out we'll go for a hike we'll go for a motorcycle ride just something that really connects us with God and makes us feel like Whew, that was good and I'm the world is spinning on without me and it's okay and I think for me that's a big part of that feeling it's just what do I need to do to make sure I remember that the world can go on without me it doesn't need me and what I need is God that's awesome so we talk about Sabbath as a gift. What have you noticed in your
1: life? Uh, wh- what have you you felt like you've gained? What are the shifts in mindset or the way you feel, how you experience things because of how you've been intentional with Sabbath?
2: For me, it's really simple. And that's just on Sabbath, I learned to be present again. And what I mean by that, is, you, you know, if you've ever been with someone who's present with you as opposed to someone who's not like they're with you the whole time. Like they're looking you in the eye and you know they're not thinking about the next thing they have to do or the next person they have to talk to. Sabbath, I learned how to do that with my wife and with God. And then I noticed it all week long. Like I notice when I'm not being present with someone. I didn't do, before I took Sabbath and really was purposeful about it, I didn't notice. Now I do. And that's really helpful to me.
3: Yeah, I was going to say the same, a little bit of the same. I think the um, stopping on Sabbath helps me enter my week with a greater awareness of taking God with me into that week. And when I don't, and I just continue to go through week after week after week, like Brian was saying earlier, it's that slow drain that you notice that you're not even aware of is going on in your life, and then suddenly you're, like, crashing. Um, So that element. The other thing is learning delight. There's, um, Pete Scazzaro really talks about delight, and the scripture talks about delight, but to be really intentional about what do I find delight light in? And for me, it might be a trip to the library on Sunday um, as a key part of that. But just asking myself those questions and making space for that during my day, I know. The library know.
2: is fine. zero it's zero Zero
1: chance he and I end idea. up there. I know,
2: I know. <laughs> well, that would be like the worst case scenario. <laughs> <Well,
4: laughs>
3: John likes to putter with a computer. I'd die. So it's, you know, it's, just, it's his delight, so.
4: You see when you when you homeschool your kids the library becomes a favorite place just, there just there the way. We go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the shift for me has been from um, well I, I told you it, it, Sabbath it, in some ways kind of mirrors uh, your relationship with God uh, so it, it, coming coming from the family I did that felt like duty and obligation mm-hmm. So to get to to counteract that um, S- Sabbath ha- had to be freedom. Sabbath had to be um, the opposite of slavery, the opposite of uh, productivity uh, that that shift um, from from slavery to to freedom. Uh, how does that show up? So, so, Sabbath is all about God, right? But it's also about uh, what's going on inside me. Because until I'm aware and noticing about what's going on in me, I'm not able to even uh, receive the, the freedom. I'm, I guess, in, in some ways, I'm not able to let go of that whole drive towards task and productivity.
1: I love this, this last question that we're going to ask because I think a lot of us in the room, uh, it's easy to really be inspired by this. Um, it's easy to grasp and agree with the practice of Sabbath. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm a CPA, albeit a bad one, um, by profession. And uh, CPAs have what we call, and we're very proud of this, professional skepticism. Uh, right? We approach everything with, uh, oh, well, that's great, I know you say that, um, but I doubt it. And I think uh, for a lot of us in, in these moments, we can hear these things and, and immediately we start going to all the obstacles and all the reasons why we can't or all the things that stand in our way um, of why we wouldn't be able to take the step. And I invite you as we, as we ask this last question, which is um, asking each of them about the obstacles they've encountered along the journey to find hope in the fact that they've encountered them as well, we all have, and that shouldn't stop us um, from taking a step forward. So with that, what are some of the obstacles the big ones that you feel like you've encountered along the journey of practicing Sabbath?
4: Um, just getting started. So uh, uh, all or nothing person that I am, it had to be 24 hours. <laughs> 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 it Did, didn't work so well the first two years. So start with, start with an hour. Start with the light and the candle. Start with, uh, it, it'll grow. Um, and um if if there's couples who are trying to start this one of you is probably going to be more rules oriented than the other just just 50/50 chance there right grace with each other
3: obstacle sarah cover your ears when our children who live out of town come to visit <laughs> like today case in point um they're adults And so, sometimes if we have people over and uh, it's Saturday evening, there's a little bit of hesitancy on our part to force that on them. And so, and also our adult children are in different stages of their faith. So, whereas one might be very open to joining in our Sabbath time in the evening, some of the others might not. So, and then ministry can be disruptive. Over your ears, Sean. Um, but if our, Sunday, if our Sunday is too full, it's really helpful when we're intentional about going, okay, how can we adjust? Because we're going be, to be gone all day Sunday. So something's got to give a little bit. And even just getting to the point of asking that question again has been huge. And then de- working together through some of the conflict that will come up as you try to develop a Sabbath rhythm as a couple. If you're single, it's great. It's you. But as a couple, that adds another whole dimension to it. And so working through that can be very rich and also rewarding as well as challenging some days. So,
2: um, I mean, Devin kind of said this, but I mean, if you're a parent, you know this, like kids really cramped your style. And uh, <laughs> so um, there's all sorts of things, adjustments. It's just reality, right? There's all sorts of adjustments you make when you have children and you do it because you love them. Um, but um, your kids don't need the same thing on Sabbath that you do. And so I think one of the obstacles for us really has been, for me personally, is like, how do I have these conversations about what I need on Sabbath? How do I express, like, this is what I need on Sabbath? So When our kids are younger, um, we found ways to do that with just, like, I'm going to go out for a motorcycle ride for two hours by myself because that's my Sabbath. And then when I get back, Susie, you need to go out and do what you need to do for a couple. Of, we we don't. Susie and I almost never read the same book together. To be honest, it just never works for us. It's uh, it just we're just too different, and or maybe too distracted, both of us, and so it doesn't work. But we we always talk on Sabbath. So this is like this obstacle of like, can we carve out time to intentionally say, how's your heart? What's going on in your life? What's God teaching you? And just and just thirty minutes of that is really rewarding. For me, probably the other thing is just the urge to work. i just urge to, like, there's so much to get done. And I have such a strong urge, and it's such an obstacle for me to say, that thing that needs done in the house can wait. And if I don't get to it, if I can't get the whole list done today, God still loves me. The world's not going to fall apart, um, despite what I feel like it is. Um, It's not going to—it'll be okay. Like, I will survive. People all over the world survive without even having a house. So— I guess I can survive with not getting that thing done. That's huge.
3: I think um, the, it's easy to look at the obstacles and go, I can't do this. Yep. The challenge is, like, we have little kids or we have teenagers or whatever. But, I mean, it's a wide open door. Like, what do we delight in as a family? It might be a family hike. It might be a movie and pizza. And just even intentionally going, this is how we're going to focus on God and our family during this time. God's going to honor that. So I receive this from him. This is a commandment, yes. But as I do, there is life in it. And that life is going to be reflected out in the midst of your family and in the midst of your activities. I'll, I'll stop.
1: <laughs> hey, honestly, thank you guys so much for, for sharing, for being vulnerable, for being open. And honestly, thank you for, for loving our church family and loving us enough to encourage us in this area. It's really meaningful to me. I know it's meaningful to everyone else. So thank you guys so much.
0: I love some of the the themes you hear in there, you know, uh, relationship, not rules, freedom, not slavery. I love those. um, You know, and I love, you know, when Sean talks about, you know, not working on the house. If if you have a leaky pipe, fix it. All right. um, That doesn't wait. Your house will fall apart with that. Uh, But but that brought to mind something for me. Sometimes there are things that I do that are considered work that I love doing. and I delight in them, and they allow me to delight in God. I can delight in his blessing by being out in my yard working with my son or my daughter or my family. Uh, today we'll be raking leaves today um, since it's finally dry. But I just love those themes about it. Like I said, um, I appreciate what you guys shared, and we're going to wrap it up by going, going to one of those themes, that slavery theme. But I want to look at, back at Isaiah 30 for a second. Isaiah 30, um, 15 says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved in quietness and confidence and strength, but you will have none of it. But You have none of it. Now, what's he saying there? He's saying only in returning to me and resting will you get what you're looking for because you're, you're chasing after all these counterfeits and looking for peace and looking for rest and looking for delight, and you'll have none of it because you're not doing what, that what brings you closest to the source of all those things. That's what he's saying. You'll have none. Only in returning and resting in God do we find salvation and strength, rejuvenation. God's words for the nation of Israel are just as cutting for us as they, are, as they were then. But you'll have none of it. I think that's the phrase that, that sticks in my mind. When I think these things are going to bring me what God wants me to have, they don't. Because it's by design because he wants me to return to him. And to come back to him. And that's our challenge. Sal- Sabbath isn't a duty. It's not about rules. It's about relationship. It's, a, it's about having a relationship with God. Sabbath is meant to rejuvenate our relationship with him and anchor us to his love. And, and, the, com- and the Bible says the commands of God, aren't, they're not burdensome. And sometimes we look at it that way. Oh, there's another command of God. It, it, the commands of God are not burdensome. They're not meant to be shackles around our feet. They're meant to be freedom for our souls so that we can have what God wants us to have. They're, they're meant to, that's what Sabbath is meant for. It's meant to free us. Deuteronomy 5.15, listen to this. God says, or God, this is when God is giving, one of the sections where God is giving the Ten Commandments. It says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath. Why has he commanded us to rest on the Sabbath? Because you were once slaves, and now you're not because now you're not. You you once didn't get a day of rest. You once had no choice but to do what somebody else told you to do. You once had zero say in where your focus was that day, but now I've freed you. You're no longer slaves, and now you get the gift of rest. You're no longer defined by being slaves of Egypt. You're free. You're my people. And that same message is for believers, followers of Christ, We were slaves, the Bible says, slaves to sin. When we were slaves and held captive to our sin, Christ freed us. We had no choice but to be slaves, but to work for our master. But Christ set us free from that bondage. And so we're no longer defined by our slavery. We're defined by our identity, by who we are. We're people of God now. We belong to him. We're free to rest. And that's We need to look at the the words gift and delight, all those things. We're free to take this. We're free to take that rest, whether it's an hour or 24 hours. We're free to take. That's what Sabbath is. It's freedom. It's meant to help us enjoy Jesus and find that rich and satisfying life that he promised. It's not about rules. It's not about not swimming or swimming on Sunday mornings or not playing with your neighbor kids or whatever. You know, it's not about being in a church building all day, although fellowship with God's people is a vital part of Sabbath. It's not about having to be there every day, all day. We weren't made for Sabbath. Jesus said, Sabbath was made for us. We were made, we, Sabbath was made for us to enjoy God, to draw near to Jesus, to fix our eyes on hope, true joy, genuine peace. Sabbath is, it's like, you know, we're coming up on winter, right? We're going to get some snow days. Lord willing cuz I want some. So, but it's like getting when you're in school especially getting the gift of a snow day, right? Nothing to do. I got I can just sit around all day in my PJs and watch TV and eat cereal. You know, the stores are closed, the roads are impassable. Suddenly you have the gift of day to, the gift of a day to do whatever you want. And 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 we and we feels like what? It feels like freedom, doesn't it? Once you get the driveway shoveled and everything else. It's freedom. It really is. You have permission to play, to be with friends, take a nap, build a fort, throw some snowballs, take a nap, read a good book. Few of us would give ourselves a no obligation day, but that's what God gives us one day a week, a no obligation day. The only thing I want you to do is be with me. That's it. Every seventh day, it's one of his many gifts and we need to open it. So I want you to bow your heads for a second with me. I want to tell you that it doesn't matter today if you're here and you're a follower of Christ or not. The invitation from Jesus is for all of us, come to him. All you who are weary and heavy laden, heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. If you're not a believer, it's an invitation to come to him for the first time. And discover freedom from being a slave to your schedule and a slave to your sin and regret and shame. It's an invitation for the first time to say, yes, Jesus, I want to rest. So I encourage you strongly to take that invitation. to Open the door if he's knocking, and he is. If you are a Christ follower, this is an invitation to obey and find life to its fullest. To find what you're looking for in Christ freedom from being a slave to your schedule and your work and everything else, and find rest. Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for your invitation to find rest in you, to find freedom in you. I'm tired, Jesus. I'm tired of being a slave, a slave to my schedule, a slave to my kids' schedule, to work, to my thoughts and fears, to my obligations. So I'm choosing to be obedient, and be be obedient to take a Sabbath. I don't have it all figured out, Jesus, but I'm going to take a step of faith and obedience, and I'm going to start practicing Sabbath. I trust you, Lord. I want to experience the life that you created me to live, and so I'm asking that you guide me and each one of us in this room. Help us find that. Help us find that life you've promised. Help us rest in you. Christ's name we pray. Amen. So how can we do this? How can we find Sabbath? How can we start experiencing? Remember, remember um, I'm sorry, John, right? John Williams. Didn't John Williams write all the songs for like the Star Wars movies and stuff? All right. All right. Well, no. you know. Uh, so, but what John said, sometimes it can start with just an hour. Just start it with an hour. Maybe you're struggling with, how do I respond to this? So I want to encourage you, go to sacredsearch.db.church. And there's a five-minute explanation on how you might integrate new ways of practicing Sabbath into your life. Try it. Evaluate. If it doesn't work, remember, it's not about rules. It's about relationship. Okay? Try it. Evaluate how this can fit into your life, how it can be a blessing to you. and Take what you learned today then and, and maybe plan two Sabbaths with your family. Here's what we're going to do. And then evaluate what happens. And if it didn't work again, try something new because it's about being with Jesus. So let's worship.